Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Good morning, friends. Welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we're continuing our discussion through the book of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew 2, verses 13 through 23. Today, I'm reading from the NIV. Starting at verse 13, it says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, he took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. You know, one of the reasons that I am really passionate about giving you this content on the podcast is because for the majority of my life as a Christian, I would read through these scriptures and I would just scratch the surface really based on my own understanding of what these things meant. And I really didn't understand the relevance it had to my everyday life. I would quickly read through it and perhaps even check off the box for my daily devotional, you know, if I was using an app or a program or even in my Bible, sometimes there would be check marks. I would check it off and I would go about my day and I wouldn't think about it again until the next day until it was time to pick up where I left off. And I think so many of us do that because we don't know any better. And my heart really is to help you understand what's being said in these scriptures so that you can understand them, not just to understand what they're saying, but to understand the character and the nature of God that is revealed through the pages. And so today, when we're talking about this escape to Egypt, there's a couple of things I want to point out to make sure you have a good understanding of what's being talked about in the second chapter of Matthew. First of all, why Egypt? Well, during this time, Egypt, you have to remember, was a Roman province, but it was outside the realm of Herod's jurisdiction, which means he had no control there. So by taking his family there, what Joseph would be doing would be essentially keeping his family safe from Herod, and there were other dispersed Jews that were living there. And it's interesting, if you think back to the time of Abraham, 
Egypt had been a place of safety sometimes for the people of Israel when they were facing danger. They would escape to Egypt. The city of Alexandria held a really large population of displaced Jews because of that. There was about a million Jews living there. Now, of course, there was other issues with Egypt throughout the Old Testament. Um, but traditionally, this was one of those locations that Jews would have gone to for refuge. I think it's really important to note Joseph's response. He had another dream, which if you've been studying with us for the last couple of days, you know that dreams seem to be the way that God interacts, the, the spirit interacts with Joseph. But Joseph had another dream. And in this dream, the dream said, God said to him, get up, take the child and his mother and go to Egypt. And I love Joseph's response. Remember, this is a dream. And it says, so he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night and he left for Egypt. He didn't wait. He didn't second guess himself. He didn't think it was the tacos last night. Of course, I don't know. Maybe it was camel meat. I don't know what they ate back then. I guess I I do somewhat. But, But my point is, is, you know, we sometimes when we get a direction from God, we have a tendency to second guess that. I think that's the whole reason why you're listening to the Hearing Jesus podcast, because we have this desire to know God's voice more clearly. But yet sometimes, even when we hear God's voice, we don't immediately obey. And I think one of the things that we sometimes overlook is that delayed obedience is disobedience. So no matter what God's telling us to do, that commandment or that prompting by the Holy Spirit, there's an expectation that you're going to obey right away. And, you know, that's easier said said than done. I've learned that over the years that my delayed obedience can lead to disobedience. And it would have been far better for me if I would have just listened to God in the first place. You know, this was a hard trip for their family. I think the Bible is written in a time frame where there was an understanding by the people that were reading this content. There was understanding of the topography or the geography, but we sometimes don't understand that. This wasn't just a hop, skip, and a jump over to Egypt. That was 80 miles just to the border with a toddler in tow. It was over 200 miles to Alexandria, which was likely where they were going. That was the main Jewish community in Egypt. Think about that. On foot, or maybe perhaps a donkey, 200 miles. This wasn't something easy that God was asking him to do, but yet Joseph obeyed. Some notes about Egypt, which I think are important to remind you of. In verse 15, it talks about Egypt and there's this prophecy of out of Egypt, I called my son. Well, what does that mean? What Matthew is doing is he's referring back to the book of Hosea chapter 11, where he's providing some connections between Israel and Jesus. And so in the context of Hosea, it's made clear that Israel's God's son, who he has called out and redeemed from Egypt. And so Matthew is using Hosea intentionally to introduce Jesus as God's son. Remember, this is to a Jewish audience who had been looking for this Messiah. And the whole book of Matthew is his attempt to convince this Jewish audience that Jesus really is a Messiah. And so he's using the book of Hosea, which they knew, and the original readers or the original hearers of this book would have understood that this was a reference to Jesus being God's son. By signaling that story of exile and return. What he's doing is he's fulfilling this second idea of return from exile that would be fulfilled with Jesus. Over and over again, what we see is that Israel as a nation 
is reminded by the Old Testament authors to look back and see what God did. He redeemed Israel by bringing them out of Egypt. And that was celebrated yearly by the Passover as a reminder of that. Passover was this promise that God was going to provide this sacrificial lamb on behalf of his people. And so this connection here to Jesus, who would become the sacrificial lamb, this connection is intentional. Jesus being born corresponds to Israel's history because Jesus becomes that final lamb that God provided, not just for Israel, but for us. And, you know, I have to often think about this situation where Herod is instructing them to kill the baby boys. We read about this in verse 16 of today's passage. That feels overwhelming to think of, but it reminds us of what also happened back in Egypt. But after that return to Bethlehem, after the Babylonian deportation, when they came back, only the records show only 123 men came back. And Bethlehem remained a small village. And so at the time of Jesus's birth, there was only going to be about a thousand people living there. And statistics wise, given the culture at that point, that means there would have been about 10 to 30 baby boys ages two and under. And so while that is really tragic for those families that had that happen to them in the history of Herod, it's a very insignificant event. It's in line with who he was as a person. He was very, very cruel during his reign. And so while that may seem shocking to us, it's kind of insignificant in in terms of the greater story of that rule of Herod. In verse 18, It talks about Rachel weeping for her children. And this is a reference back to Jeremiah 31. Rachel, the the character of Rachel, and we're not going to get into it here, but you can go back and read about her in Jeremiah. But the character of Rachel was a personification of the mothers in Israel. And so what this is doing and what it's talking about in Jeremiah chapter 31 is it's talking about her mourning for children being carried away. And that's referring to when Nebuchadnezzar's army had gathered and taken captive the people of Judah. And so they were in the town of Ramah when that happened. That was right before they were taken into Babylonian exile. So her weeping, it's a symbolism of Israel and the mother of Israel weeping about her children being taken away. That sounds bleak, I know. But even in that story, there's hope. Because what would happen and what we learn later, and it talks about this later in Jeremiah chapter 31, is God would eventually restore Rachel's children to their own land. And there would be this establishment of the new covenant with Israel. Jesus in the New Testament is the new covenant. And so again, what Matthew is doing is he's referring both his Jewish audience back to what they know from the Old Testament, and that he's also setting the stage for what's going to come later in this book about Jesus. In verse 19, it reminds us or it explains to us that they were only in Egypt for a short period of time. And then again, Joseph is warned in a dream to leave after Herod's death. And it was probably only about a year. That's significant because you may be thinking, well, if Herod was dead, why couldn't they just go back? Well, what happened at this point, and we learn about this in verse 22, is Archelaus, who is Herod's one of Herod's sons, was in power now in Judea. 
So Herod, when he died in his will, he divided up the kingdom into three sections, appointing his three remaining sons to rule over those three areas. Now, remember, he had already killed a couple of his sons and his wife because he was afraid of the threat to his crown. But at this point, he had three remaining sons and those three divided up his kingdom. Archelaus was the oldest and he was the cruelest of the three. And so he was just as cruel as his father. In some ways, he was worse than his father. And, you know, it's it's recorded by Jewish historians that there was some sort of temple uprising during this period of time. It was during the Passover when a lot of pilgrims had come to worship and to be in the city. And there was some sort of squirmish or something happened in the temple. And as a result, Archelaus killed about 3000 people, most of them pilgrims. He was known for being excessively cruel to the Jewish people and to the Samaritans. And, and he just caused a lot of oppression for those people. So much so that eventually what happened is Augustus, he was worried that there was going to be an uprising or a revolt from the people, similar to what happened with the Maccabeans. And so he took over and he banished him and he gave the rule over to the Roman prefects at that time. So Joseph was warned about all of this again in a dream. And again, what do we see Joseph do? He obeys right away. Instead, he led his family to Galilee. And Galilee was still under the rule of one of Herod's sons, but he wasn't quite as cruel as his older brother. He didn't quite have that bloodlust already. And so it was a little bit safer for them to go to Galilee. So in the region of Galilee, they settled into a little town called Nazareth. Sound familiar? Galilee had basically been deserted during the Assyrian invasion. And then afterwards, when when people came back, it had been reestablished as basically a Jewish section after the Babylonian captivity, but it wasn't a strategic location. It was a small agricultural village, maybe had about 500 people at this time, the perfect place to heal after you were returning from exile. In verse 23, it talks about the prophecy that that fulfills, that the Messiah would be called a Nazarene which of course means you are from the town of Nazareth, which is pretty cool in and of itself, but it goes deeper than that. Most likely, what we know is that the founders of this village came from the line of David, and they intentionally named this town Nazareth. The word Nazar or Nasser, depending on the, on the version or the language you're looking at, that root word, it means branch. And it's referring back to the branch or the shoot which was a common reference in Jewish literature and is referring to the branch of the tree of David, the family line, the remnant of the Jews that was left that had been returned from exile. That was all summed up in that name, Nazareth. But Matthew explains later that the Nazarene word was at that point in history seen as a slang term which the Jewish people understood this. We don't understand this, but the Jewish people understood that that the word Nazarene was a, a slang term that really meant remote or despised. And so this was a reference to the Old Testament prophets again, when they talked about how the Messiah would be despised. I think it's important to think through all those things. And a word about exile. You know, what we see Matthew doing throughout this book is helping his Jewish readers make this connection between God and how he restores his people from exile. He did it in the Old Testament. And by referencing that relationship to Jesus, we learn throughout this book 
that Jesus is the way that God restores his people in the New Testament. But it doesn't stop there. For us, as modern Christians now, I think sometimes it's very natural to feel like we are living in exile. If you haven't felt that in the last couple of years, then, then count yourself blessed. Because I think for most of us, for modern Christians, it feels like we are living in this foreign place. We live in this fallen world consumed by sin. And we constantly sit with this tension of knowing that the redemption and the kingdom will be restored to God's plan eventually. It just hasn't happened yet. And so we're living knowing the truth of the gospel, but not yet seeing it realized in our world. But the same hope that they had, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, as they were waiting on God, is the hope that we have. It's that same kind of hope that we can look forward to with the restored kingdom when God comes and makes everything that's broken right again. We know it's coming. And so as we sometimes feel like those exiles, like foreigners, really, we can hold on to that hope that the God that we serve is the same God that was in the Old Testament, the same God that was in the New Testament, and the same God that in the future is going to restore things for us as well. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and reread chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said to the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. When that was said through the prophet, Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and he lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the way that you reveal yourself to us through your word and the way that you unpack the truth of the gospel, that you are the same God of the Old Testament, of the New Testament, the God of today, and the God of tomorrow, that by your very nature, your nature is revealed throughout the scriptures that you are the one that restores and redeems all things. God, help us to, as we walk in that tension, to hold on to that hope of who you are and that the restored kingdom is coming. God, give that help that to give us peace as we struggle sometimes daily in this world that we live in, but knowing that as we sit with this tension, we can be bright lights in the darkness for you. God, I thank you for my friends that are coming along this journey to learn more about you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow, friends. Hey, friends, before you go, I want to make sure you know about our Patreon page. 
The Patreon page is really a place to gain all sorts of resources specifically for the Hearing Jesus podcast and the Hearing Jesus for Kids podcast. There's a specific and dedicated private Facebook group, which is a place for me to interact with you, to pray with you, to answer questions. I'd love it for you to join us there. And there's also another level that gives you the inside scoop on everything else that's going on. The journaling prompts are there. If you've been with us for some time, you know that I usually do journaling prompts that helps us get that information from the head to the heart. We have a downloadable daily prayer prompt that helps you get that information processed in a way that it affects your daily life. There's also a Bible reading tracker on there. There's bonus episodes, lots of things on an ongoing basis, a place where you can get all the resources to help you grow in your faith. And the second thing I want to mention to you is the Dawn app, which if you've never heard of that before, I have good news for you. I just recently recorded a series for the Dawn app and also did some writing for them. And it's a daily Bible study and prayer app that is completely free. The link for that is in the show notes. And then the last thing I'm super excited about, I want to tell you that we're going to start having opportunities for travel. This is going to look a couple different ways, depending on what you're looking for, but it's going to cover things like mission trips in-person retreats, and also eventually a Bible study trip to Rome. What I'm doing right now is I'm getting everybody's contact information so we can start communicating about what that might look like. So if you are interested in any of that, you can head to shehears.org for more information. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.